0: Today, an update on industry issues as Russell Nimitz with the Western Ag Network joins me to discuss the hot topics that were on the table of the cattle industry summer business meeting in San
1: Diego. Among those was the recent Supreme Court ruling. A lot of folks out here in rural America are just scratching their heads because the Biden administration, it seems just will not accept the ruling from the Supreme Court. Another topic included synthesized meat. As the synthesized meat products Pushed forward, Who is going to be in control of inspection? Plus the push to see reform of the
0: Endangered Species Act and we'll end on a high note as we talk a little about the record prices we're seeing in our cattle markets. It's amazing what green grass and high cattle markets will do for optimism. If you run cows, own land, or both, tune in today for an update on issues you need to be aware of on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. welcome you to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills, your host, and we're glad to have you along for the program today. We hope you can stay with us through the entire show. Now, I know for those of you listening via podcast, you can stay with us. All you got to do is hit the pause button while you jump out of the tractor or you jump out of the pickup to go do something. We know that's how you can do that. However, if you're listening here on the radio, you may not have that option unless you're listening on a fancy one that's got the little pause button on there. Maybe you have that option, but for some of us, most of us, we can't do that. So if we're listening on the radio and you miss something, you want to go back and listen to it again, you can go to our podcast site or any podcast provider out there, workingranchradio.com, and you can find all of the shows that we've had. This is episode 129, and we've had some great shows. I mentioned this before, but a lot of times I really do try to bring up topics or have discussions on our show that no matter what time of the year you listen to it, it has some applicability Uh, maybe it's in the middle of the winter and you're thinking about doing something for the following summer well we've usually have shows you can go back and listen to those that have what we like to call shelf life or with the captain he refers to it as being evergreen meaning that they're good for long periods of time that's kind of a lot of times our focus here on the show from time to time though we do need to cover some current events which is the purpose for today's show russell nimitz with the western ag network will be joining us on our program here today he recently and his broadcast partner, Lane Nordland, attended the cattle industry summer business meeting in San Diego, California at that particular business meeting a lot of topics were brought up that do affect us as i said in the opening if you run cows you own land or both or or whatever that may be you're going to want to hear just an update on what some of these topics were it's always good that we're in the know of what some of these are so that you're just not for one thing you're not caught off guard but the other thing you know if you need to be pushing the buttons on your local senator or congressman you can be doing that and so uh, that's kind of the purpose of today's show we're going to talk a lot about quite a few different topics for everything from waters of the U.S. to lab grown meats to endangered species act reform and also we'll end on a high note as I said before as we talk a little bit about the short supply of cattle and how that's affecting that we're really seeing some pretty dynamic cattle prices in our industry right here and now so that will be our subject here today Russell Nimitz with the Western Ag Network joining us here today on our program also coming up as he does each and every week meteorologist Don Day will be stepping in and giving us an update on our long-term weather so be sure to tune in towards the very latter part of our program for a weather update from meteorologist Don Day. Well how is your summer progressing? I know for us here at the X-Ring Ranch in northeastern Wyoming we've got everything out. Bulls are out now it's just a matter of keeping tabs on where everybody's at checking water, checking mineral, doing those kinds of things but it's also that time of the year where we can start to get going on some of these projects that i have kind of been holding off from time to time time so that's kind of where we're at we continue to work on pipeline projects fencing projects and that's just a list that goes on and on every year that's not anything that i don't know if you ever really come up with a to done list on that it's always a to-do list when it comes to fixing fence or working on uh, other infrastructure projects maybe it's corral work or cleaning out corrals or whatever that may be but nevertheless hope your summer's going well here for for you all real quick a thank you to our sponsors here of the working ranch radio show Vitalix. Livestock is your livelihood. Tubs are our expertise. Vitalix, the true blue tub. Find out more at vitalix.com. And Allflex. Cattle identification and record keeping should be easy, so you can tie your visual tag and the EID tag and your genetic data to one management number with the Allflex match sets. Find out more at allflexusa.com. Inherit select from Zoetis, providing commercial cow-calf producers with genetic insights to make replacement female selection and breeding decisions find out more at their website inheritprogress.com and the American Gelvey Association it's a highly fertile moderately framed cow that raises high performing calves even in tough environments the Gelvey cow's efficient use of resources make her the picture of sustainability in today's modern beef industry find out more at their website at gelvey.org and tank toad your remote water monitoring system all from the convenience of your phone powered by solar satellite and cell keep an eye on your water supply with a daily text call metal arc solutions today for tank monitors well controllers generators and more their phone number 801-252-6135 or check them out on the internet at tanktoad.com it's what we use here on the x-ring ranch and if you call them let them know you heard it here on the working ranch radio show well if you're a regular listener here of the program you know that about this time in the show is when we usually hear from the captain, Tim O'Byrne, on this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. However, since he is the publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine, he said he is buried up to his armpits. He said, So while you all get to enjoy the outdoors, he's going to be hobbled up in the office trying to meet the deadline to get the latest issue of Working Ranch Magazine ready to go to print. So there you have it, folks. By the way, if you want to get your subscription, if you don't have it already, to Working Ranch, Magazine started. You can go to their website at workingranchmag.com. Check it out there. Also, take a look at the website. We're on social media as well. Every Friday, in fact, the captain posts out there, what's going on in your world? And it's always good to go through all of the from folks from all over the country showing pictures of what they're doing at that point in time. Check us out on social media as well. Well, stay with us when we come back. We're going to get into our featured interview today. Russell Nimitz with the Western Ag Network joining us as we're going to be talking industry issues. And the latest updates on some of those topics when we return here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. A sustainable ranch is one that can do more with less, and for beef producers it can start right at the herd level with a cow that's efficient with her resources and environment. And in today's modern industry, Gelvy females are the picture of sustainability. Gelvy and Balancer cattle are early maturing with maternal superiority through increased longevity, added fertility, and more pounds of calf wean per cow exposed adaptable, versatile, and sustainable, all factors that have a positive impact on your bottom line. Gelvey influenced females, the smart, reliable, and profitable maternal choice for achieving sustainability in today's modern beef industry. Be sustainable, breed Gelvey. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here with you as we head now into our featured interview here for today. And joining me is a good friend of mine, Russell Nimitz with the Western Ag Network. And Russell, thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Absolutely,
1: thank you for having me. Well, it's good to catch up with you
0: as we were talking before we went on air, just a few things uh, we'll have a chance to visit l- later. But uh, one of the reasons I reached out to you was you had recently attended the Cattle Industry Summer Business Meeting that took place in San Diego, California. And a lot of business covered, a lot of topics covered, and I wanted to just catch up with you on that and see you know, what, what are we hearing in the industry. And so we'll kind of go through some of the list of things that you and I had visited about before we went on error just a bit here, but let's jump into the first one. The Supreme Court ruling on WOTUS has come out and put some definitions to that. However, one of the things that you uh, had talked about was a little bit about we're continuing, our industry is continuing to fight this administration on some of these type issues, WOTUS being one of them, and them just not really wanting to accept what the Supreme Court is ruling on.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, that was one of the big talking points uh, a few days ago in San Diego. Just the pure fact that once upon a time, a ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court, the highest court in the land was the law of the land. And Especially when it comes to these regulatory issues like waters of the U.S., a lot of folks out here in rural America are just scratching their heads because the Biden administration, it seems, just will not accept the ruling from the Supreme Court in that the direction they were trying to take that water rule wasn't exactly Following the law to the T. And so there was a lot of discussion down in San Diego as kind of trying to, you know, figure out how to make sure that WOTUS stays on the radar and that this administration follows the law that was passed or ruled on back in May by that Supreme Court.
0: Well, the thing that's got to be a little frustrating in all of this is you just can't get, it, get past an issue. And, and the, the costs and the expenses that goes into the organizations that have to continue to fight this and lobby against this, that's got to be draining on the organization as well.
1: Well, exactly, and and you know the current NCBA president is Todd Wilkinson out of South Dakota, and of course he's uh, in addition to being a cattleman, he's also an attorney, and that's what uh, he told our network in San Diego. He's like, you know, it's not the fact that we we can't handle issues like this, and we have the staff, and we have the wherewithal, and we have the presence on Capitol Hill, but it just comes back to the dollars and cents because we could be allocating, he says. You know, all of this money that's now going back into litigation on this issue that we supposedly had laid to rest. We had a ruling by the US Supreme Court, and here we are, it seems, back to the drawing board. Basically, the Biden administration saying, to its own Environmental Protection Agency, yes, move forward with the rule rewrite, even though we had this U.S. Supreme Court ruling come out at the end of May. And, of course, everything kind of revolves around that that nexus language in WOTUS and, and what that means with bodies of water, et cetera. But at the end of the day, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of landowners and agricultural organizations like NCBA, Farm Bureau, the American Sheep Industry Association, and everyone out there that has common sense that said what this rule's intent is isn't really what it should be out here in the countryside. Mm -hmm.
0: So as you talked with the NCBA president on that, from his view as an attorney, you know, what are the next steps that, what are they having to prepare for? What, I mean, where do they think they're going to have to chase this to?
1: Well, of course they had, I should say the Biden administration had a favorable ruling from one of those circuit courts that basically set, gave them the green light to proceed with the rule, right. As they were heading down the road before, you know, the Supreme court's ruling. So, I mean, basically basically, You know, they're just watching it very carefully because they they know, I mean, at some point at least, I think everybody in the industry hopes that they'll go ahead and let the EPA write the WOTUS rule, rewrite it to how they perceive it to be, hopefully follow the law within the guidelines of the US Supreme Court's ruling in May, you know, and hope, you know, with any luck, I guess the industry's has its fingers crossed to say, you know, WOTUS will be something that wasn't what it was going to be by letting them, I guess, proceed with their rewrite as they, Mm -hmm. they perceived it. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And and folks, you know, I know a lot of folks listening probably understand we're using an acronym when we say WOTUS, but it means Waters of the U.S. And it's been a huge issue for us in the ag industry, mainly because a lot of us deal with waters that are bodies of water that either A, originate on your ranches or part of your ranches. And and it stems uh, from an Idaho case, some of this, uh, in which it wasn't really any of either of those issues. And so that's why this is a, a big issue for us here in the ranching industry. Russell, let's move to the next issue and something that came up there and this is something that uh, in fact i remember uh, the captain keeping us appraised on the amount of counter space or, or or space that we see in some of these grocery stores on lab grown meat uh and then the topic that we've covered a little bit here on our show but we do know that there's been huge huge demand for just regular red meat that we all raise and grow each and every day here on their ranches but the issue of lab grown meat was coming up mainly because it was looking at who's in control of of the inspection of this. Where is it going to come, whether it's the USDA versus FDA? Let's talk a little bit about that issue.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, questions out there. I mean... You know, lab-grown meat is a little bit different than, uh, you know, some of the other uh, alternative protein sources out there. This has become a high-priority issue for organizations like NCBA because there's probably no way to really stop it. You can kind of slow it down, but, you know, moving forward, if it's going to, you know, share you know, meat case space with other proteins that actually are sterile harvested from an actual animal. You know, we got to make sure that it consumers aren't being misled by what they're seeing in the meat case. And and so there was a lot of fear that As the synthesized meat products pushed forward, who was going to be in control of inspection? Who was going to actually be the one overseeing the labeling of products like this? And NCBA from day one, like others, has pushed hard to make sure that It was in the jurisdiction of the U.S. Department of Agriculture versus the Food and Drug Administration because at least NCBA feels USDA has a lot better feel and should be the agency in control of food and labeling and that inspection, especially if it's going to sit in a meat case, like I said, right next to an actual meat product that was harvested from an animal
0: hmm what do they feel when we look at where the alternative meat sources were introduced a few years ago a lot of hype revolving around that uh, we've seen that dim down considerably there's got to be some feel good about that element that's going on in the industry
1: well I think there is I mean it's like anything I mean look what happened to beyond meat I mean beyond, I mean it was it was a phase it was a craze and and at the end of the day I think people finally figured out like wow this isn't really like meat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think I think what the industry is hoping that, you know, there's going to be always a segment in the population that doesn't want meat or they don't want real meat, but they want something that looks and feels and tastes kind of like meat that you and I enjoy. And so I mean, if we can keep it like that and keep the actual Meat sales on the rise, which, of course, creates more demand for ranchers like yourself and, and others across America. I think the industry understands it's going to have to live with a little bit of this uh, lab grown meat out there and and hopefully maybe just supply and demand and and just consumer preference at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, will we'll just take care of it on its own. Wow. So
0: in this issue of USDA inspection versus FDA over that, at what point is that decision going to be made or when do they feel that that would be something that where a decision is going to be made on who is ultimately over that?
1: I don't really have an answer for that as far as a time frame. I mean, all I can really say is, I mean, it, It is a top shelf priority. I mean, otherwise it wouldn't have been brought up during the summer business meeting where groups like NCBA go ahead and kind of look at their policy book, where they stand for some of the policy items that you mentioned, you know, that they settled on back in February. Um, But it is a high priority issue to make sure that stays front and center, that members of Congress and the administration and, of course, agencies like USDA and FDA hopefully listen to the industry's input on what we feel would be best for consumers out there. I mean, that's the thing. Nobody's really saying, no, we don't want this out there. It's just saying we need a little bit of regulation from the right federal agency to make sure that consumers consumers know what they're actually getting. And so they don't think lab-grown meat in the meat case is actually coming from an animal that was you know, harvest it. So basically, this is kind of an issue they're sort of just trying
0: to get ahead of before before it becomes a bigger issue. And so from an industry standpoint, are we seeing collaborative efforts in this push to see the USDA be overseeing these lab grown meats?
1: Well, I mean, I think it is a a consortium of like all the different industry groups, you know, the animal protein groups out there. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like one of those issues, I believe, you know, when it comes to animal disease issues like FMD and BSE. I mean, rarely do you see all of the livestock organizations, especially the cattle industry on the same page. But it seems to me like this is one of them, whether it's in CBA U.S. Cattlemen's Association, RCAF USA. It seems like everybody's on the same page as, yeah, we've got to have the USDA overseen anything in this this particular realm to make sure that uh, consumers aren't confused at the meat case. There's no confusion between synthesized meat products, plant-grown meat products versus actual animal-harvested meat products products in that meat case so that everybody knows what they're getting so that if you have a bad eating experience with one of these synthesized Mm -hmm. meat products, you know, ranchers like yourself and others, you know, you're not unfairly blamed. Yeah.
0: All right, let's take a break here. My guest today, Russell Nimitz with the Western Ag Network and when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about some other subjects that came up at the cattle industry summer business meeting that took place a week or so ago in San Diego, California. Some of these issues we're going to continue to talk about. about Endangered Species Act reform and also continued more discussion about this short supply of cattle and what we're seeing here in the cattle prices across the country. We're going to talk on more of these issues when we return here on The Working Ranch Radio Show.
2: Every year you pick your replacement heifers. Some become profitable cows. Others disappoint. How can you make more reliable selections? Genetic testing. Commercial cow-calf producers like you are using Inherit Select from Zoetis. You gain valuable predictions, including cow fertility, size and soundness, feed efficiency, growth and carcass merit, as well as easy to use economic indexes. This improves your selection, breeding and marketing decisions. Request a call from inheritprogress.com and ask about free TSUs to get you started
0: welcome back to the working ranch radio show i'm justin mills and my guest today is russell nimitz with the western ag network russell again i appreciate you joining us here i know uh, you cover a lot of the country in western part of the u.s uh, across what wyoming montana colorado south north dakota do you have any stations in idaho
1: uh, we don't have any in the Idaho yet. Um, we do have some in Nebraska, uh, some in Utah, and uh, some in New Mexico, plus the other states you oh, mentioned. Wow. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's been kind of fun to to see our footprint continuing to grow. You know, across the Intermountain West and and whatnot. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of farmers and ranchers out out there still listening to the radio so that's good news for guys (laughs) like me and you
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it is and i know uh you know you and i worked together years ago uh, in billings montana and since that time uh, you've continued to grow but also for folks that listen maybe in the colorado area and up into as far north as into montana and some of these other states that you mentioned uh you took over the evan slack network and a lot of folks in colorado an area where he used to be based out of would recognize his name he was a definitely kind of a legend i guess if you want to call it in the ag media industry for many years. And I know you took over his network, right?
1: Yeah, that's kind of the how we got started with this whole deal is um I was working for another network, well known network in this area, and Evan uh was kind of a one man band. I mean, mm-hmm. he'd just go everywhere. Him and you know, his airplane. Either in the car or or <laughs> in the air. You know, he was one he was a really good pilot. And somehow, I mean, from day one I struck up a, a friendship with him way back in the day. And And one thing led to another and my wife and I had the opportunity to purchase the network from Evan in 2020, shortly before he uh, passed away in the fall of September of Mm -hmm. 2020. And, and yeah, it's been, it's been really fun because I mean, we've been able to, to grow his original network. You know, I think we, we started with 15 in August of 2020 when we took that Mm -hmm. thing over and and bought it from him. And today it's, it's fun to report, uh, here in the next couple of weeks, I think we'll be able to push above 80 affiliates oh, wow. now in in the eight states that we're broadcasting from. And I, I don't do it by myself. Obviously, I've yeah. got a great team. I've got Lane Nordland yep. on air with me. I've got Haley ship on air with me in the Colorado, Western Nebraska, Southeastern Wyoming area. Rachel Gable, who's Mm -hmm. also a well-known writer for the Fence Post magazine, Tri-State Livestock News. And then on television, we've got a longtime industry friend, Paul Humphrey, who's our our videographer and, and producer. So, yeah, we're covering a lot of ground on radio and television, and now digital media and and it's fun to be able to actually just keep the good word out there and keep folks updated like you do every week. Yeah
0: well let's get back into talking about what took place at the cattle industry summer business meeting that was back in uh, a couple weeks ago or a week or so ago in San Diego California. Uh, Folks if you're just joining us in the first section we talked a little bit about what the update was on WOTUS uh, lab grown meats. Another big issue that's well I'll tell you what this has been in the industry for many many years and it continues to be that and that is endangered species and i know there's a lot of push to when when that first hit was was what in the 70s or something like that i'm trying to yeah. recall my mind recall well, this... when that was
1: yeah, twenty twenty three marks the fiftieth anniversary oh, wow. of, older, of the older than I thought. Yeah, the Endangered Species Act. I mean, so it's fifty years old and you know, I mean, like anything, yeah I, I mean I know there was an environmental movement obviously back in the seventies and and but I think you know, like anything, it was the original intent of the Endangered Species Act probably wasn't what it you know where it's morphed into today and so it has really become a thorn in a lot of folks's you know side out here in the west you know when it comes to especially wildlife issues as we're trying to coexist out here in states like wyoming and colorado and montana with some fairly uh, well-known wildlife species predators and I know you've covered it before on your show. I mean, nobody in the livestock industry or farming industry wants to do away with any of these species. We just want the ability to to coexist, you know, raise our family, pass it on to the next generation, and continue to raise a high-quality food and fiber product for America and, and beyond. But, boy, I tell you, with these federal regulations like ESA and you've got – Species out there that are more than recovered, like the grizzly bear, where it would be nice to have a little bit of state management over grizzly bears in the Wyoming, Idaho, and Montana areas before they get so out of hand, we have a real problem. And you don't have to go too many days without reading about a bear conflict anymore, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I was just telling somebody at supper the other night here in Billings, they, they were from out of town. One was from Mississippi. The other one was from Las Vegas. And I think the other one was from Seattle. And, and they, got, they were joking around about the bear issue. And I said, in all seriousness, I was like, a female hiker just got mauled by a grizzly bear and lost her life the other day outside of West Yellowstone. And they, they couldn't believe it. And I'm like, this is really happening. And and I'm like, you know, a few weeks ago down in Southern Colorado with one of my friends, J. Paul Brown down there, a longtime sheep man down there. He had one of his sheep herders attacked in the middle of the night by a black bear. Mm-hmm. And so organizations, uh, whether it's Farm Bureau or livestock organizations, I mean, the push is on to get some sort of meaningful reform through western members of congress so when you have a species like the grizzly we need to get it off of the endangered species list put it back in the hands of of state management like we've done with other species like gray wolves and and control it a little better Mm hmm.
0: So where do you feel as, as you were talking with industry leaders down in, in San Diego on this? Where do they feel they're at on this, though? Because, I mean, we were just talking in the first segment about the administration not accepting the WOTUS, the Supreme Court ruling on WOTUS. And so when we look at issues like this, that definitely have to go through some government type elements in this and or governments involved in this. Where do they feel we're at on this? I mean, do we have a do we have a chance to see reform?
1: Well, I mean, you have a chance to get at least a seat at the table to reform because you got a lot of powerful Western members of Congress, whether it's like on the House side, Washington's Dan Newhouse. He's got quite a lot of seniority on the House side, you know, and then he's working on the House side with members of Congress like Wyoming's Harriet Hageman, Montana's Ryan Zinke and Matt Rosendale. On the Senate side, you've got Montana's Steve Daines. And then, of course, you've got Wyoming's two Powerful U.S. Senator Cynthia Lummis and and John Barrasso, and, and others that I'm not mentioning, but I mean there's there's a lot of other primarily Republican members of Congress, both on the House and Senate side, that would like to see some meaningful reform. And again, I don't. It's not that they're trying to say let's do away with the Endangered Species Act because it does have a purpose in preserving species that are are getting low on numbers. But at least as of right now, it seems like some of these. Administrations just are using that as another tool just to go ahead and do a blanket type approach and keep species on there or list species on there that allows them, at the end of the day, whether it's a hidden agenda or not, to remove farmers and ranchers from the landscape. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and it makes me think a little bit about as we correlate some of this mindset a bit to our subject about WOTUS and then now this endangered species. It feels as though the anti-agriculture groups and or government officials, depending on administrations, are using the endangered species policy, weaponizing it, if you want to call it that, really coming at our industry.
1: Yeah, I, I believe that, too. I mean, whether it's the Endangered Species Act or look what happened this spring with the BLM's new conservation rule that just magically appeared out of nowhere and then you know the industry was given just a very short amount of time to comment on it then the then the administration came back and said well we'll go ahead and open that comment period up for a little bit well It wasn't, (laughs) you know, I think the industry was looking for at least 90 days or something. And and I don't know the exact number, but I think they gave us like two weeks to comment, you know, and they held like two or three listening sessions across the West. And it, it just left a lot of folks with a bad taste in their mouth, because whether it was Republicans or Democrats in control of the White House or Congress, you know, groups like NCBA and Public Lands Council, the American Sheep Industry, Farm Bureau, they really do try to work hard to build relationships with both parties who's ever in control. And And I think what a lot of folks are just wondering, like once upon a time there was these groups and these political parties, you could have your differences, but at the end of the day, you would find something for everyone, move the legislation, move a regulation forward That was workable for everyone. And it just seems like there's no Mm -hmm. spirit of teamwork. There's no spirit of cooperation. It's either my way or the highway. And that's dangerous for America. Yeah. Yeah. The
0: diplomacy has been lost a bit, I feel, uh, in our culture. And and I don't want to and we're not going to end our show here on on a bad note, but that's the reality of what we're dealing with here. But at the same time, we have to continue to move forward, which is why, as you named out several of our industry groups, there's other industry groups out there. It's extremely important, folks, that you are involved in these industry groups. Pay your dues. Be a part of them. Those dues is what's helping to work on issues like this. Stay with us. When we come back, we are going to end our interview on a good note with Russell Nimitz of the Western Ag Network as we talk about the short supply of cattle in not only here in the U.S., but globally as well. Uh, We talked about a few weeks ago on episode 123, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the subject as, as it was in relation to the conversations in San Diego with the Cattle Industry Summer Business Meeting. We'll talk about it when we return here on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
2: There are lots of nutrition tubs out there, but none can match the true blue commitment of Vitalix. Our tubs offer you the most concentrated nutrition at the lowest cost per day. That means more profit for your operation and improved performance for your cow herd. In fact, research shows Vitalix tubs increase feed efficiency by 20% while boosting conception rates, herd health, and weaning weights. Learn more at Vitalix.com. Vitalix, the true blue tub. And welcome back
0: to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we continue on, my guest today is Russell Nimitz with the Western Ag Network. We heard a little bit more about the growth of their network. He's seen in the previous segment. We're glad to have him on here with us as he and his broadcast partners cover the industry news on a day-to-day basis, a little bit more than, than what I do on more of a weekly type basis. So it's always good to bend his ear just a little bit on what's going on as we are. In regards to they attended the cattle industry summer business meeting in san diego california a few a week or so ago and come out of there with a lot of the different topics and issues that were hot topics at that meeting and we've uh, been using our show here today to go over some of those as uh, we talked about if you missed the first and second segment we talked wotus, we talked lab grown meats and we also talked endangered species act reform so if you missed those that conversation you can sure to go to any podcast provider out there or also go to our podcast site at working ranch radio com and you can download it today's episode is episode 129 russell let's get into a, a good side of our industry right now or something that sure has a lot of people excited about our industry right now and that is our cattle our markets uh, and it ref, and it goes all the way back to simply supply and demand we're seeing cattle herd numbers here in the united states the lowest they've been in many many years we're can, maybe going to continue to see that reduction here for another three four five six months but at some point it's going to build back a little bit, but we do know that all in all, we're seeing a short supply of cattle uh, that's really bringing these cattle prices to phenomenal numbers.
1: Oh, boy. I mean, like at the cattle industry summer business meeting, it's amazing what green grass and high cattle markets will do for optimism. And you don't have to look too much further. It's actually been fun to talk about the cattle market and some of our market reports this year compared to just where we were a year ago. I mean, gosh, I mean, look at last week's Northern Livestock video sale and this week's Superior sale. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got four weight steer calves selling for four bucks now. You've got five weight. <laughs> and the $3 money, you know, and you've got 600 pound steers in the mid to high twos. I mean, we haven't talked about money like that forever. And then the yearling market, I mean, holy cow, no pun intended, but the yearling market, (laughs) those critters selling for two and a half dollars a pound. Now that is a lot of money, Mm -hmm. but it gets back to supply and demand. We're just You know, the record drought that we've had here in the Intermountain West, the Northern Plains, the Rocky Mountain West, I mean, it took its toll on on cattle numbers. Southern Plains, you know, they they felt it, too, down there in Texas Mm -hmm. and Oklahoma. And so and folks just aren't rebuilding the cow herd just yet. And so every analyst that I've spoken to most recently, Randy Block with Cattle Facts, I mean, he's just like, God, look for this trend to continue for the near term, because there's just no cattle out there. And then on the flip side, even though we were talking about plant-based meat Mm -hmm. and synthesized meat, forget about that. There's just an extremely high demand right now by consumers for that delicious animal harvested protein out there Mm -hmm. was there any talk with as you're visiting with these people
0: and i know for myself you know i think okay this is great this is great we want to we want to be able to have this for a long long time so was there any conversation with folks down there in terms of how do we cautiously handle this? Because I guess I, I think back and, and maybe I'm just young enough to where I've only been in a couple of the real real cycles where the, we've seen cow, cow prices, calf prices extremely high. So I've only been through a couple of those and it seems like we go through those and then we have issues where guys get too deep or they involved or they, they time the markets wrong and they're caught on the downside and, and everything like that. As we look at where we're at now, was there any talk in terms of cautiously handling this element or this timing in our industry so that we we preserve or we have some sustainability.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, because (laughs) as you know, I mean, And and I'm not picking on our egg lender friends out there, but, you know, you can have one of the best young bread heifers or stock cows, you know, out there. And she might only cost a thousand bucks at the time. and, And you might have the grass and your banker will look at you just basically just shake his head. No, because just won't pencil out. Right. Even though you think you can make it pencil out, Mm -hmm. but when they're selling for $3,000 a piece and you got this type of cattle market, they're like, heck yeah. You know, how many do you want? You know, but you really do have to be careful because, and I think that's what a lot of folks, and honestly, there just isn't as much equity in the cattle business. Like there was, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of folks, the ones that are still with us, th- this isn't going to fully heal them up, right? Mm-hmm. They've been having to pay record high prices for hay. They've had to go out way beyond maybe their normal range of, of where their operation sits to, to get their cattle on pasture. I think a lot of them are. They know they're going to have to build back their numbers if they're going to stay in the game. But at the same time, you can't go broke buying these bred cattle or or cow calf pairs. It's got, at the end of it. It still has to pencil out, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. And so I think there is a little bit of cautious optimism out yeah. there. And and you know, I mean, other input costs are still high. I mean, look at the price of diesel. I yeah. Mean, even though hay has come down, and and some of the other things that were really a problem last year and beyond. I mean, they're still worried about things. Well, and you
0: know, you also look at if if it, people are using an operating line at all to to get through the year, which probably is fairly common for for some folks. Uh, those interest rates, you know, that were you know four percent, five percent last year, now up to nine nine, maybe up to ten percent for some folks. That's another little regulator that kind of comes into our industry as well. When we talked to, uh, back in episode one twenty three here on the Working Ranch Radio Show, folks, that was a great one with brett stewart of global agri trends as we were talking about the global beef supply numbers one of the the two countries that also came into the conversation was australia where australia and brazil russell you said the topic of brazilian beef came up at this at the mid-year meeting as well
1: Yeah, it was because, I mean, there's a lot of concern about what's going on down in Brazil right now, you know, whether it's on the the beef front or the live animal front. And just basically the Brazilian industry, Brazilian government officials shrugging off any sort of animal disease concern that the U.S. or, or other trading partners might have, not to mention the same sort of rules and regulations that the rest of us have to follow by the OIE. And so the NCBA again is working in tandem with some of the other cattle organizations which which doesn't happen very often but I mean our calf US Cattlemen's Association NCBA everybody's on the same page is like why are we allowing brazilian beef whether it's in the the meat form or the live animal form to even be considered to come into this country. And you talked to a secretary uh, of agriculture, Tom Vilsack, like I did mm-hmm. a few months ago, the USDA's response is, well, Because you got to be really careful about having a double standard. You know, what happens if something like that were to happen to us here in America? Would we want to be completely shut out? And there's a, you know, NCBA officials they are just like, we don't go along with that right now. We just need to protect our domestic cattle herd from being decimated or devastated by a disease like foot and mouth or BSE and, and most importantly we want to still provide the highest quality and safest product to consumers and, that, and it, it just comes down to food safety at the end of the day. Mm-hmm.
0: Well and I think and this is a this would be a conversation for a whole other show but i think it comes back to an issue of i think there's some push within our own industry to say okay let's let's get our basis covered here uh, when it comes to animal disease control let's get our bases covered here and then maybe we'll have a little bit more teeth to come after some of these countries now i'm not saying that's necessarily right or wrong but i think that's something to think about i mean it's just like in an athletic event we need to have a good defense if we're also gonna if we're gonna have some good offense and i think that's where i feel somewhat we're at when we talk about these countries and like brazil and how do we come to these kind of issues with some teeth to me that's where i see it
1: yeah, I do too, and, and and the industry has a lot of work ahead of it, and we've got to work together on the the issue of animal disease and traceability, and and you know for ranchers, you know, and it's easy for me to say stuff like this. I mean, I'm not directly involved with the livestock industry anymore, but my family still is, and 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 guys like you, and and my broadcaster Lane Nordland and and Haley Ship, they're still actively involved in in production agriculture too. But I've been around this deal now my whole life. I've been telling stories of farmers and ranchers and industry issues for almost 30 years now. And what I have learned over this time is we can't put our head in the sand and run away from issues like this. We have to you know, at least sit around the table together and want to talk about these issues and try to come to some sort of collective effort to really protect And work together, you know, when it comes to these animal disease issues or traceability or whatever they might Mm. be, you know, to keep our industry alive and thriving. Uh, not just for now, but most importantly, like the next generation.
0: You bet. Well, Russell, uh, we're going to have to call time on this show here for today. I know you're needing to get going. You've got stuff that you're working on as well. I just, in fact, as we're sitting here visiting a little bit, to get a note from the captain, Tim O'Byrne. And uh, you talked about it just a little bit ago as we started this segment. And he, and he just, his text to me was hot, hot, hot calf market out here in the West. <laughs> and as we, as we end our interview here in the beginning of August of 2023, Boy, I'll tell you what, this is a phenomenal
1: cattle market, so it's a good way to end our interview here today. Absolutely, and as uh, the founder of the Western Egg Network, Evan Slack, would say, higher higher higher. (laughs)
0: yeah i was i was trying to recall that a bit ago when we were talking and that's exactly as soon as you started saying that that i recall that you bet higher higher they are our calf markets russell thanks for joining us here today giving us an update on what took place at the cattle industry summer business meeting in san diego california wishing you well uh, friend as you continue on down the path
1: yep thank you very much justin and back at you
0: You bet. And again, my guest today has been Russell Nimitz with the Western Ag Network, as we've been reviewing and going over some of the hot topics that were in discussion recently in San Diego, California, at the Cattle Industry Summer Business Meeting, as he and his broadcast partner there with the Western Ag Network, Lane Nordland, were down there uh, reporting on that. And by the way, I would point you to their webpage at westernagnetwork.com, where there's several interviews that took place with industry officials down there on some of the subjects that we talked about plus more. So I encourage you to go to their website and check that out for yourself. Always good to be in the know of what's going on. That's why we take a time every now and again throughout uh, the year on the Working Ranch Radio Show to have shows just like this. So we kind of get a, a grip of what's going on in the industry on some of these policy issues, some of the things that do affect us that are being worked on on be- our behalf by our industry groups back in Washington, D.C. And always good to be aware of what's going on on our behalf. Well, stay with us. When we come back, meteorologist Don Day steps in as we take a look at our long term weather. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we continue on now with a look at our long-term weather being brought to you today by AllFlex. Cattle identification record keeping should be easy and now you can tie your visual tag that EID tag and your genetic data to one management number with the AllFlex match sets. Find out more at AllFlexUSA.com. And joining us as he does each and every week is meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather and Don I know for our particular area here, it's really some strange weather for August. And we kind of do see that really across different areas of the country. It's just a little bit odd for this time of the year.
3: Well, yeah, if if you... Look at the middle part of the U.S. Basically, if you take the Continental Divide, you go across the eastern parts of Montana through Wyoming into eastern Colorado, then out across the plains from the Dakotas through Nebraska into northern Kansas and then into a lot of the Midwest and Great Lakes. It has not been a hot summer. Now, that runs contrary to what you're hearing on the news all the time, because all they've been talking about is the heat in Arizona and Texas. And, you know, parts of Florida, but where it's been hot, it's been staying hot. But the rest of the country has actually had a fairly what I'd call temperate, pretty average summer temperature pattern. And folks in the, in the northern plains are going to be feeling this. Uh, we are going to be looking at temperatures in some parts of the northern and central Rockies in the northern plains, looking at high temperatures, only 60s and 70s. And we're talking about the, you know, the first week of August. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is a little odd. Usually we're just kind of bearing down here for another month or so to get into September. Looks like we're having some September weather here in August. One of the things you and I had talked about uh, off air here a little bit. uh, And there was some concerns earlier in the year about maybe a potential drought in the Corn Belt area. But we're really not seeing that as we as summer has kind of continued. And it looks as though they're going to continue to get some frequent rain.
3: Yeah, well they they've also been ex- able to escape any prolonged real long periods of really hot weather in most of the heart of the corn belt and they had a wet winter spring and a lot of that soil moisture was airy, was able to carry forward so yeah it dried out in 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 a good part of late May and June and early July but once we got to late July we started to see mid to late July thunderstorm activity pick up So while there are still very dry conditions and soil moisture that isn't great in a lot of the Midwest and Corn Belt, from what we're hearing, yields and conditions uh, coming on up come harvest time are looking pretty good. Um, So I think they'll be able to go through the rest of the growing season into the harvest season with no... uh, no signs that the weather was going to end up being a big factor this summer.
0: Mm-hmm. So
3: here in our
0: weather reports, we've talked quite often of the monsoon weather, which is coincidentally what we talked about here first It's bringing the cooler temperatures into the northern plains. But a couple of areas that you have a little bit of concern about was which was last year. They were doing really great with the monsoon moisture this year, though, not so quite, not quite as good. That being New Mexico and Arizona.
3: Yeah. You know, New Mexico and Arizona were really wet last summer with a great monsoon season. And then they had a pretty wet winter, very wet, cold winter in those areas. And what really delayed the onset of the monsoon, which usually starts down there in June, was the fact that it was colder than average for the first five months of the year down there. And that kept those sea surface temperatures in the Gulf of California cooler than normal and what that did is that delayed the of the monsoon season. So once we started to see that subtropical moisture move in, it came late. And then with the weather pattern shifting, that deeper moisture actually has gone into the west central parts of the United States with the heavier rains across parts of the Central Rockies, Northern Rockies and the Central and Northern Plains. So the, there's been a little bit of a shift to that deeper moisture more North and East. And so Arizona, New Mexico, the Four Corners region, Has had a pretty dry summer. And with the way the pattern's developing, they're also going to go back to the heat. They've had a break from the heat here lately. Mm -hmm. But for folks in the desert southwest, uh, there's going to be another little period of heat going back into those areas.
0: Okay. So let's expand on that a little bit more. What are you seeing across the country for the next seven to 10 days out?
3: Well, I'm seeing the high pressure shift back to the west. It's been camped over Oklahoma and Texas, bringing really hot weather to the south central parts of the United States with it drifting back to the west. That will take the heat back into the desert states, but what it will do is it will allow some cooler, more moist air to move into the nation's midsection, and that's going to bring more rains to the Midwest, the Corn Belt, and some of that cooler air will filter south into some of those areas like Texas and Oklahoma and Missouri and Kansas and Arkansas that have been so hot they'll get a little relief from the heat and better chances of rain. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, gives us an idea
0: of of what we got coming up here. And uh, we just hope everybody can kind of stay out of the the, uh, throes of some of the extreme weather that happens across the country. So thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. And if you'd like to follow along each and every morning with meteorologist Don Day on his daily video podcast, you can go to his website at dayweather.com. Our weather today brought to you by AllFlex. Find out more at allflexusa.com. We'll stay with us coming up after the break. We're gonna talk about what's in store for our upcoming shows here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. We'll be back after this.
2: There are lots of nutrition tubs out there. But none can match the true blue commitment of Vitalix. Our tubs offer you the most concentrated nutrition at the lowest cost per day. That means more profit for your operation and improved performance for your cow herd. In fact, research shows Vitalix tubs increase feed efficiency by 20% while boosting conception rates, herd health, and weaning weights. Learn more at Vitalix.com. Vitalix, the true blue tub.
0: Before we head out here today, I did want to give you an idea of what we are working on for upcoming shows here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. And a topic or a subject that's been rolling around in the back of my head for a while now is where are we at with virtual fencing? I It's something we hear and we read about quite a bit, but I want to get an update on that. So we're going to have folks from Oklahoma State University will be joining us as they've been doing a research project on virtual fencing. So be sure to tune in next week as that will be the main topic of our show. Following that. The following week, Rick Manchin with the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management will be joining us as we'll be talking on skills ranch managers should possess. So a great couple shows coming up for the next couple of weeks. Be sure to tune in on that. By the way, if you hear something you like, be sure to let us know. Or if you have questions or something you didn't quite agree with, let us know about that. We want to hear from you. My email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com, or you can also send me a text at 307 363Cows. We'd love to hear from you here about anything you would like us to cover or topics or questions you might have as well. Well, before we head out, a quick thank you to our sponsors today VitalX. Allflex, inherit Select from Zoetis, the American Galvey Association, and Tank Toad. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. Be sure to join us at the same time, same place next week or on your favorite podcast provider. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.